Welcome to the Innovative Accountant Podcast, presented by Integrated Advisory by Wealthco. Join your host, CPA, Tim Coquell, as he explores thought-provoking ideas, information, and best practices from leading experts focused on supporting the accounting profession and the integrated advisory community. Here's your host, Tim Coquell. Welcome back to the Innovative Accountant Podcast. I'm your host, Tim Coquell, and we have a, a special podcast for you today. Our focus is on technology. Specifically, we're going to be talking about cybersecurity and data privacy these days. It's, it's a timely discussion. Um, we want to talk about the key risks that business owners are facing and best practices for risk management and governance as it pertains to technology. We're also going to spend some time exploring the opportunity that exists to elevate customer experiences with technology through digitization, automation, AI, and the modernization of operations. Joining us from Calgary, Alberta today, Stuart Smith is our guest, and we're excited to uh, have Stuart share his knowledge and experience with us today. So welcome to our podcast, Stuart. Yeah, great. Thanks, Tim. Uh, Really a pleasure to be here, and I look forward to our discussion. Yeah, it's going to be fantastic. So uh, it's been my pleasure, Stuart, and our team at Wealthco's pleasure to uh, work with you here over the last number of months. So we're we're seeing the direct impact of uh, your uh, your great experience on our own organization. And so we felt this would be a outstanding opportunity to share you with the world a little bit and uh, uh, talk uh, with what we're going to talk about with our audience here today. Um, before I do that, I'm just going to give the, our audience and our listeners a bit of your background and experience, uh, Stuart. So uh, hopefully you're okay with me going through that. Uh, so Stuart, uh, you know, decades of experience in the information technology domain. Stuart has held a number of executive leadership and technical roles during his career, uh, working for several, several, several of Canada's largest publicly traded companies, including Shaw Communications, where you uh, served in various roles, including Vice President for Business Transformation, Senior Director, Information Technology, and Manager in IT Infrastructure. So lots of, uh, lots of good things to talk about there. Um, you're, you're co-founder today and Chief Technology Officer for the technology strategy firm Keyworks, which you founded in 2014, and more recently, Blues Point in 2021. Uh, Stuart has established himself as a strong leader of high-performance technology teams, Obviously, with the experience there, Stuart, you've had lots of uh, teamwork uh, involvement there. Your focus has been on operational excellence, prudent financial management, and innovative solutions. Uh, Stuart has led teams through many significant IT programs, including real-time crisis management, cloud and systems integrations, and cybersecurity, data governance, and compliance initiatives in Canada, the United States, and Australia. So a uh, a global experience there. His passion is to now work in collaboration with customers and industry partners to reinvent enterprise compliance management, ultimately reducing governance, risk and compliance, complexity and leveraging leading edge technology to improve cybersecurity and data privacy posture risk. That was a mouthful. (laughs) Anyways, uh, when Stuart isn't solving uh, the world's tech problems, he's focusing a lot of time on his wonderful family. Uh, a strong advocate for special needs causes, uh, given some family experience with Down syndrome and autism. He also loves camping, and I'm excited to hear about this uh, cross-Canada trip that you're planning with your family, Stuart. So maybe we, we'll start there. Uh, you're, I think you're going camping here this uh, weekend, are you not? 
Yeah, we uh, we actually have an RV uh, that we've uh, started to make some uh, more shorter journeys from Calgary uh, so far this summer. Uh, but we are planning uh, next summer to do a cross-country trip. Uh, it's kind of been something I've always wanted to do. I, I grew up in the east. I had the, the great fortune of kind of going off to the east coast and exploring on road trips as a, as a child and uh, very fond memories there. So like to try to recreate that as our, our kids are getting a little bit up and older and get them away from their technology and uh, out on the road with the family. So yeah, it's been, uh, it's been fun so far. I think we've had so far this year, uh, 20 plus nights kind of out doing weekends and long weekends and such. Fantastic. Well, we're yeah. finally getting some summer for it. So I'm sure That's you're right. enjoying that. I'll have to connect you with, I just, uh, had a contact that uh, has the number one travel books called, I think, the Bucket Canadian Bucket List. And we're looking to do an event with him where he talks about the Canadian experience of traveling across Canada. So maybe I'll connect the two of you and he can give you some tips. <laughs> I would love that. Thank you. That would yeah. be great. Yeah. Well, so, Stuart, let's, uh, let's go back to the beginning a little bit. I always do this with our guests and just want to want to see what makes them tick, why they, why they kind of got into the area that they're in. Maybe go back to the beginning for me. What 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 uh, excited you about technology? Where did you first start realizing that was a passion of yours? Yeah, it really all started, Tim, for me. Um, you know, back in uh, in the high school days uh, in the lab, I I actually attended a school where um, they had uh, a print shop, and I was uh, in in, uh, in the class there where typesetting and and setting up. Uh, um, you know, the different formats for print uh, creation and, and print reproduction. So uh, that was really the first computer that I got to put my hands on. And yeah, okay. uh, at that time, uh, and this is back in the 80s, but we got to do some coding and and create some, some kind of neat things, visualizations. And uh, I remember, uh, you know, doing some early projects there. And so as time went on and I started to get into the job market as a you know, teenager, I actually was fortunate enough to uh, uh, get an opportunity to have a summer job with Rogers uh, Rogers oh, Communications in Toronto. So, uh, and found my way into the data center uh, fairly early on. I mean, I was running a printer and moving boxes, but uh, yeah. I got I got in the door there, and just the you know the the overwhelming kind of sense of this giant data center and all the different systems and machines and. It just kind of kind of uh, pushed some buttons for me, and it just from there it became very natural. Uh, it was an exciting journey for sure. Yeah, that's very cool. It's it, it sounds like it was more of a practical experience journey as opposed to a textbook journey. And uh, you know, even your title today, we talk about chief technology officer. That seems like a fairly you know that every company's talking about needing a CTO today, but how how has that sort of educational path changed over the years since when you started? You know, a lot of that back then was just hands on getting in. What does that look like today? Yeah, I mean, back back when I started my journey, um, there wasn't a lot of formal kind of technology training or schooling, and universities certainly weren't doing much in that space. So. Uh, you know, fortunately for me, I did have the access to, to, to the, the, the role at Rogers that got me going. But, you know, over the years now, and, and it really started to escalate in the in the 90s where certifications, you know, the big technology vendors, the Microsofts of the world, uh, they would, you know, put uh, courses and actually have designations very much 
very similar to the accounting uh, field where, you know, you could go out and become a, an MSC uh, specialist in, in Microsoft technology and, uh, they, you know, designations followed and, and a lot of the other technology manufacturers followed as well. So that really helped advance. And, and now certainly here in Calgary, Alberta, actually in Alberta, you know, with the Southern Alberta Institute of Technology, you know, there's a lot of focus there. The programs are in place now, so, you know, younger folks can uh, make that transition fairly simply. There's classes now on teaching develop code development. You can become a network uh, specialist, uh, cybersecurity. I mean, basically, the sector has really emerged. And, you know, fortunately for me, timing was everything. I was just in the right place at the right time as, as the tech space really kind of exploded and all companies adopted technology in, in many different forms, but uh, certainly there was an explosion where I was fortunate to be right there at the right time. So, uh, yeah, yeah well, that's perfect. Fantastic. Yeah, I think you've got to be good to be lucky, though. So I think it, uh, you obviously <laughs> have had a lot of uh, success in your career in that space. Um, you know, you've worked with some of the Canada's largest public companies, including Shaw. And you, let's talk about Shaw a little bit. You were there for you know, over 10 years, something like that. Um, you know, what was it like working with some of these companies that were on the leading edge of communication and technology in Canada? Yeah, my time at Shaw was uh, very special. Uh, I was able to, uh, I was in a number of different roles over the 10 years uh, and uh, got to uh, participate in a lot of big, exciting technology rollouts, projects, uh, acquisitions of other companies, mergers where, you know, different technologies had to come together. And so, you know, those were very special times. We had an amazing team, great culture, you know, kind of checked all the boxes, kind of the perfect situation. And, um, yeah, I mean, I, I look at how Shaw was evolving in, in their growth and their revenue kind of, again, I was there, um, in the time where they were taking off and being very competitive in Western Canada, we added 1 million uh, home phone subscribers on a, on a IP telephony product uh, while we were there. And um, yeah, it was just a really, really special time. Uh, we also uh, saw a lot of investment in technology. And so in my role as vice president of business transformation, that was all about taking the legacy systems uh, you know, that, you know, the company had had over the 30, 40 years and reinventing those and transforming processes and, and leveraging newer technologies to advance the customer experience. And that's really where I learned, you know, some pretty, uh, pretty uh, interesting uh, uh, areas for myself to focus in and, de and drive development uh, as well. I mean, you know, there, there's a real kind of history in banking, insurance, telecom, where the systems that were the mainframes of the 80s and early 90s changed into more decentralized systems and servers. Obviously, the web became more uh, predominant in, in how we do our business. Things were happening in a mobile manner. And so, um, you know, to kind of be front and center and involved, roll up the sleeves and participate, uh, real exciting and a great team of people around us uh, at the Shaw, the Shaw uh, head office actually here in Calgary. Uh, and we were also present for the acquisition of CanWest Global, which was a large okay. uh, uh, television advertising uh, radio stations. Uh, it's now uh, part of Chorus Entertainment, but the integration of, of different 
kind of sectors coming together mm-hmm. was also some pretty special experience. So I, I always look back uh, fondly on, on my time at Shaw and uh, certainly uh, very, uh, very fortunate, but also you're right, uh, you know, luck wasn't all there. It was, you know, you lean into your role and you, you surround yourself with great people and good things come out of that. So that's kind of how I, I view that, that time there. Yeah, it, it, uh, it, you know, integrating other companies and taking what they had for systems along with Shaw, I'm sure you, you learned a ton doing that. And like you say, the springboard maybe out of that, I was going to ask you the question, what was the most, what did you value most about your experience working with them? But it sounds as though it was really just that springboard for you to, to learn how to transform businesses through technology. And is that, that a fair statement? Yeah, absolutely. And it's a difficult, uh, it's a difficult thing to do. I mean, you know, taking on uh, that transformation within an organization, I really do kind of liken it to, you know, brain surgery or heart surgery. You know, you have to keep your company running. You have to keep operations going. Revenues can't be impacted. Customer experience certainly can't be impacted. So, um, you know, you have to kind of take this iterative approach and small bites planning and, and strategy is a huge part of that. And, you know, kind of growing up as an operational uh, guy earlier on, um, the more strategic planning side of things was invaluable to that. I mean, you really have to start that journey with a, with a strong plan. And, and that's probably what I learned the most. And I certainly appreciate it and take forward now into kind of my current uh, areas of focus with our businesses today. Yeah, I, I think, you know, you, you will talk about that next, kind of that transition from the big public kind of space. Um, you know, what, what was, we talked about the good things. What was some of the challenges that you saw in the public space that maybe were part of the catalyst of why you wanted to step out and do your own thing? Yeah, um, you know, I, I had uh, actually, uh, you know, spent, you know, a couple of decades in with large publicly traded companies and, uh my father was actually a, an entrepreneur by spirit back uh, when I was a younger boy and, you know, watched my dad and growing different companies mm-hmm. and the diversification. And so I was always intrigued by that. Uh, and, you know, but, you know, there's something to be said about the, you know, the excitement and the stability of a, of a corporate uh, a corporate gig as well. So sure, yeah. uh, when when the time kind of, you know, the journey path opened up for me, the doors opened up. You know, a couple of uh, like-minded people that uh, I respected and, and trusted, you know, came calling and we sat down and we had a chat about, okay, well, what, you know, how could we shape this leveraging our experiences and create our own company and, you know, kind of do it your own way and, and uh, take our learnings uh, and, and put them and apply them with clients and help, the, you know, our clients become successful. So, it was really a, 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 an easy decision and a quick pivot for me to, to go and do that. Uh, certainly a different world, for sure. I mean, I think, you know, uh, I recall sitting in uh, sessions with my business partners and, uh, and with a whiteboard and, okay, what do we want to be when we grow up? And, you know, I, I'd, been, uh, I'd been in telecom and, and large enterprise for my whole career. And funny enough, that didn't kind of make its way onto the whiteboard. So you kind of... You know, it was probably six or eight months later where we said, hey, wait a minute, maybe we should go and, and talk to telecommunications companies. I mean, that's where we <laughs> all came from. And so that was really where, you know, the first, excuse me, six months uh, of planning and discussion and discussions and, hey, what do we want to do? How do we want to support the market? 
Uh, and then, you know, we kind of had that breakthrough and, you know, our first gig started to come fast and furious after that. So it, uh, yeah. it was definitely an interesting, uh, transition for sure. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's, uh, I love the, uh, entrepreneurial in the blood, uh, stories. So, you know, I come from that as well. And, you know, growing up around that entrepreneurial spirit, as you said, and mindset, it's hard not to get uh, excited about it. So very cool that you stepped out, took the risk. I'm sure, you know, by the looks of things, it's paid off wonderfully for you. Obviously a scary step at times, like you say, you're going from a pretty, pretty solid uh, situation to, to, uh, to that, but the, the opportunity to be creative and uh, really sort of create your own path, I think is, is super cool. So, you know, let's talk about keywords. So, you know, the purpose of it, what, what are, what are you guys really focused on today? What kind of services are you providing to the world? And, uh, and maybe we can even chat a little bit about the team you've built around you. Yeah. So great. So out of our that first kind of six months to a year, you know, even our name keywork. So it comes from key people working together. So, Um, you know, it was a a fine group of folks that kind of, we all got together and started the company. And, um, really what we wanted to do was take our learnings from, from enterprise, uh, business, our experiences and, and help small, medium companies, uh, as a consulting group, uh, help them in many different ways. And so, uh, Keyworks was founded in 2014 and, uh, I think we're just starting off our, I think we're heading into our ninth year uh, coming up here. Our fiscal is in September, so uh, it's been definitely a journey. Uh, we've offered many different services, and you know, some are, uh, you know, you fail fast or you succeed quick, and and you you, you keep kind of uh, optimizing and changing. But we've really landed on on four areas that we're we're focused on right now, and you know, the main one again, we 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 come from a telecom world, so. You know, we have some uh, deep uh, expertise and knowledge and, and a very large network, personal network in the telecommunications and engineering space. So we definitely have a stream uh, that is one of our foundational streams. Um, my okay. career in IT has kind of led me in, in different areas, and it's such a kind of a wide and diverse field now. Um, we've kind of narrowed that down to cybersecurity. So we have uh, a number of technical teams, engineers that are out helping clients uh, improve their cybersecurity posture, uh, whether that's through kind of technical hands-on or the softer side of things, as I call it, which is more around risk and compliance and governance, which I think we'll talk a little bit more mm-hmm. about today in the podcast. We also have a couple of other streams uh, where, you know, we offer ourselves out. We're all fairly senior folks with with deep experience and knowledge. So kind of like a virtual executive, virtual CIO, CTO. Um, and then we also have a development uh, wing that has now morphed into what is called Blues Point. Uh, I think you're going to ask me yeah. about. Yeah. So in 2021, we recognized the, the need for organizations uh, from a cybersecurity compliance perspective uh, to uh, to basically achieve uh, some mandated compliance. Some of them are more self-imposed, but there's also others that are uh, regulated or mandated depending on what sector or industry you're in. So we're uh, building through Blues Point a, a software platform as a service, a SaaS-based platform that automates that compliance uh, process. 
having spent time in, in large boardrooms and with meetings of 30 and 40 people and, you know, kind of moving from meeting to meeting and giant Excel spreadsheets, it's definitely a, a large uh, undertaking to become achieve compliance. So, uh, and we'll talk a bit more about those compliance frameworks, but uh, it's very heavy lifting for an organization. So we're looking to optimize that through automation. And uh, yeah, so we're in the, in the development uh, phase of that project right now. It's quite exciting. Very cool. Uh, the yeah. point name comes from actually uh, we uh, we had a, a four-year consulting engagement down in Australia, down in Sydney, actually, uh, which was really neat. We were working for a large telecommunications internet provider in Australia. And Blues Point is actually a, a neat little neighborhood uh, in North Sydney where you can see the oh, Opera okay. House and the bridge. Uh, Blues Point Road, it's a neat little spot with some neat cafes and wine bars. And often after a hard day's work, my business partners and I would go and or, or our colleagues so would get together and uh, uh, yeah. regroup and, and catch up on the day and talk about things. And so anyway, yeah, that's where uh, the name Blues Point came from. And so we incorporated Very that cool. company in 2021. It's quite exciting. Yeah, very exciting. Love the name. And uh, yeah, is that uh, platform, is it public companies, mid-sized companies, small companies that you're driving that for? We actually, we've had some deep experience uh, with with actually working with uh, airports. Uh, So we we started off uh, with uh, Blues Point kind of taking our learnings from airports. But, you know, I look at all businesses kind of have a a back office, a subset of systems. You know, we all kind of use email. We all use networking and Wi-Fi. And so regardless of what sector you're in, uh, those systems probably make up about 50 to 70% of your back office. And then your kind of more industry sector specific applications and tool sets make up the rest. So we started the, the platform off by focusing on our learnings uh, from consulting engagements in cybersecurity within airports and also within telecom. Uh, and now we're kind of moving that that down and focusing on other sectors and expanding. Uh, we're working with a couple of uh, educational uh, organizations right now as well and hopefully uh, yeah, now moving towards fintech and and finance uh, and insurance as well. We're seeing a lot of traction actually in the insurance space where um, insurance uh, underwriters are now looking for more information from companies, regardless of what sector you're in, on your cybersecurity posture. So uh, previously, you know, you may have one or two questions in your insurance uh, uh, renewal form about your cybersecurity. Well, now we're seeing, you know, Mm -hmm. more in-depth technical questions and answers and so there's a real shift there, and so we're we've evolved our product and platform to uh, support that as well. Very cool. Nice to see that. You know, obviously that creative mindset and being private, you can pivot and you can look for those opportunities as they come up. Um, let's go back to something you said. You mentioned the uh, the virtual uh, CTO concept. I think that I, the last guest I had on actually was doing the uh, virtual CFO and had built an amazing team. Uh, with regards to that, do you see that as an area that you're going to continue to expand in where you can, because a lot of companies, you know, they're not of the size where they can go and hire somebody with your skill set to come in on a full-time basis to really help them with that. Yeah, There's absolutely. A, there appears to be a big gap in the gap there. So Absolutely. We see that. And, 
you know, you know, and again, having experience with large IT teams, I mean, I've been part of IT teams with a thousand people. Um, IT mm-hmm. doesn't, you know, in, in a lot of large organizations always have the best reputation. I mean, there's so many challenges to, to do a really good job in, in, in IT. So, you know, there, things have shifted. And so a lot of medium sized organizations now, you know, do you really want to go out and hire 15, 20 IT people to run all your tech or, you know, things have shifted to the cloud. And so we see that where, you know, there's an opportunity to be a virtual CTO, CIO, come in and, and help companies achieve a technology roadmap and, you know, understand with clarity, okay, what does it look like this quarter, next quarter, next fiscal year? What are we budgeting for? What new technologies are we going to add? And so just to help kind of put a, a real tight strategy together and, uh, and, you know, provide some guidance and leverage our relationships within the, in the technology uh, uh, sector as well with all the big vendors and, you know, bring that to the table. I think, you know, not every company, just like we all don't need to have a data center uh, now because we're in the cloud for, you know, the most part. Uh, the majority of companies are shifting that way or have already. Uh, we also don't necessarily need to have a, a huge substantial uh, IT team. So there's different ways to uh, achieve that. And Go about yeah, it. Yeah. So, yeah, virtual CTO, CIO, absolutely we see that uh, as a shift. And uh, yeah. we're working with a number of customers, uh, clients now. Uh, in that manner. So it seems to be. A- yeah, well, I, I think even in our, as I opened with, you know, doing some work with you with the Guelphco group um, and really in that regard, right? We don't have a CTO today. Uh, we've talked about that a lot, um, but being able to bring somebody in with uh, years of decades of experience and uh, really accelerate that process and then leverage other resources through your network, I think is is very powerful. Uh, let, let's talk a little bit about your team. So you do a lot of different things. You've got some founders. What, what have you grown your team to, to, to today? And I'm assuming it's not just employees and your internal people that you leverage when you're supporting clients. You likely have a lot of other resources or resource partners. Just share share a little bit of that story with us. Yeah, well, we, uh, you know, we really try to uh, have a team that is scalable. And, you know, we, we like to say and and just like with uh, my experience here with the Wealthco team, Tim, um, you know, we want to be as as Keyworks as a brand. We want to be known as, you know, we can come in and, and fit in quickly with an organization with their culture, and stretch our own bench out as much as possible, and to adopt uh, to the requirements that are being asked of us to meet client objectives. So. We really do have this virtual model in terms of our, our team size. Uh, you know, we've been as many as 40 people and, you know, we've been down to 20, but, you know, we do leverage consultants. We have a lot of relationships in the, in the tech sector and space. And so we'll add and, and complement as needed, but we also do have a very core group that is our, is our full-time team. Uh, some of them are full-time assignments at, at certain clients where, uh, you know, we're looking after very specific things, but um, yeah, we, you know, and, and when the pandemic came upon us and just like any other business, you know, having, you know, us all kind of scattered around and not going into the office every day, you know, we had, we had to recreate and reinvent ourselves as well. So in the, in the world of tech, and we've mentioned cloud, and we'll touch on it a bit as well, but, you know, you kind of shift and, uh, you know, there's there's this whole compute power where 
you basically, you only use what you need. And sometimes, you know, like maybe on a Sunday morning, you're not using very much. So the requirements go down and then, but on a peak time on Wednesday at, you know, 2 p.m., you're, you're probably using a lot more uh, uh, compute power. So I kind of look at our team and our resources in a similar way. And so we've tried to structure, you know, the days of the kind of nine to five business are behind us. We've evolved and uh, certainly the pandemic has, has really pushed that up and, and on the forefront for all companies. But we've really reinvented right. ourselves to support that model. And so we kind of have this fluctuating uh, team that can be scaled. Uh, we've got some real key strategic partners and uh, uh, that can help us to, to accomplish that as well. So, yeah. Yeah, perfect. So just to wrap up uh, a bit of this section here, you know, you, you're spending a lot of time running a business, managing a team, doing a lot of different services. What, you know, from from Stuart's perspective, what what is what type of client does Stuart like to work with? What, what, what do you, what are you most passionate about in the type of work that you do for clients today? Yeah, no, great question, Tim. Um, I, you know, I think, uh, you know, we, we have a lot of conversations with a lot of companies and, and, um, so there's a couple of criteria there. First and foremost, it's, you know, people say they want change within their environment, but, um, you have to really have a set of stakeholders that are, are very committed and, and, uh, and really understand that, you know, the old adage, be careful what you wish for, because transformation is a big thing. I mean, you're basically, mm-hmm. you know, turning your company's processes, the way things are done, you know, you know, the way that things have been done for maybe 10 years doesn't mean that's going to be the way of the future. So, you know, you, ha- you really have to have that commitment from the stakeholders. Um, you know, working with the Wealthco team has been really, uh, uh, really a breath of fresh air in that sense. Everyone's you know, excited and looking and to create and drive change and, and be innovative. And so that, that's really the ideal, uh, kind of client that, that mid-sized customer that, uh, you know, has, has some big objectives and, and they leverage technology, but they also understand that technology is just a, a means, uh, to accomplish your objectives, right? And so my passion to kind of the second part of your question is it's not about the technology and, and a lot of, a lot of IT teams in different places that I've seen, you know, it, it becomes kind of about the technology and you get into sometimes almost religious discussions about, oh, is it Microsoft or is it Amazon? And well, at the end of the right, day, it's yeah. about the customer and it's about supporting business objectives, growth, uh, you know, gaining efficiencies, optimizing, uh, helping clients uh, and customers achieve their goals and have that seamless experience uh, with and that relationship. Uh, so technology is a tool to help achieve that. And so I'm really passionate about not being that kind of that old school IT group that has all these people and this big budget and, and you know, these long projects that yeah. no one really knows right. what's going on and when's it going to end. So, yeah, I, yeah. I really want to cut through that and and show uh, as a, you know, in a passionate way that, you know, things can be done as a collaborative, uh, uh, in a collaborative manner with the business stakeholders and the people that are in front of their own customers and achieving success uh, together. Uh, and that's really what I'm passionate about. Yeah. Well, that passion definitely shines through and uh, in everything you do. We are going to get back to the interview in just a moment. 
If you're listening to this episode of the podcast and wondering what you can do today to transform your CPA practice, I have a free resource I want to share with you. It's called the Integrated Advisory Video Series. This eight-part video series shares our learnings over the past 20 years of how successful accounting firms are increasing revenue by offering a more holistic service offering to their clients. You will walk away with a firm understanding of the immediate changes that are happening in the accounting industry and the impact that they will have on your firm in the future. How successful independent accounting firms are broadening their service offerings and offering a better client experience without increasing their billable hours. And how you can become your client's most valued advisor by being at the core of their wealth management team. To get access to this free eight-part video series, visit integratedadvisory.ca. That's integratedadvisory.ca to learn how you can grow your firm without burning out or increasing your billable hours. Visit integratedadvisory.ca and get free access to the video series today. Now back to our guest. To sort of get into our focus today on on, uh, why I think listeners are, are listening today, which is you know, there, there's a lot of risks that they're facing in their business as it relates to cybersecurity data. You, you know, you don't have to, you know, flip into too many news channels to kind of hear about this breach or that hack or, you know, Russia, Ukraine and cyber threats and all of the things that are going on. And especially as we look at our accounting community, I mean, they, they, they're at the, at the center of data in a lot of respects, you know, they've got critical information and accounting information and tax details and private data. Um, you know, a lot of companies are likely struggling with how do they, how do they deal with these risks? Um, so that's an area that I want to make sure that we talk about a little bit here today. Um, and, and, you know, get some learnings from you, some best practices. But I also don't want to leave it with just the fear of these risks here. I want to, I want to talk about the opportunity that I think technology brings um, and how it's really changing and improving the, the end customer experience. And, you know, some of your public background, you saw how, that, how those, those tools could be leveraged to really deliver a great customer experience. And then through what you're doing with Keyworks, you've got lots of experience consulting to companies that are being innovative and creative. So I'd like to have a risk-based conversation and then we'll talk a little bit about the opportunities that come. So let's just start there. So risk management governance, what are the biggest risks that businesses are facing today? Let's just uh, jump in and what you're seeing. Yeah, I know, Tim, I think you're spot on um, in, in framing this conversation. You know, I mean, I don't think it, it's, you know, any newspaper, Google search, uh, any news uh, site that we we go on, you know, frontline front head, headlines are all about uh, who's been breached, what's happened, you know, what, you know, even, you know, when we when we have disruption in our with our technology, the first thing people think of off the top of their head is, Oh, it must be a cyber attack or, and, and those threats, uh, those, those risks are, are continuing to be immense. And obviously globally, you know, there's a lot going on in our world and, and, um, you know, there's some certain areas that, um, you know, there is a lot of reason for concern. I mean, there's a lot of, a lot of bad threat actors out there that uh, are looking to, you know, in some form or, or some way commit a, a cyber uh, crime and, you know, it could be a financial uh, motivated crime. It could be, you know, disruption. Uh, and, you know, it doesn't, you know, we look back to the, 
the U.S. Uh, just not too long ago, uh, when uh, when you know the big pipeline uh, company was uh, was breached, and um, you know it basically took the eastern seaboard down to a standstill. Mm-hmm. I mean, gas prices went up, and you know the impact was just so substantial. So. Now that's on a grander scale, but on a smaller scale, you know, organizations, you know, particularly uh, in the fi- financial sector, you know, the, the data that we're dealing with is so sensitive and, you know, it's financial, it's personal. So it's all about privacy. It's all about confidentiality. Um, and also, you know, to add on to that, you know, as a business, you, you know, it's reputational. You have to be able to maintain, you know, that you're a trusted partner and, you know, particularly when we're dealing with uh, personal finance and, and wealth, uh, um, you know, I want to know that who I'm working with uh, has, is doing their due diligence on, on their on their side of things. And, you know, there's you know, I'm, I'm, I have a level of, of privacy and confidentiality and, you know, it, we're on a, such a, a, a trajectory right now with technology and, and things at a at such a pace. Uh, in terms of, you know, how quickly we're adopting new things. And, you know, again, the part the pandemic drove a lot of that as we all kind of went home and worked from home and things like e-signature and, you know, where those practices weren't accepted previously, you know, now it's a common, mm-hmm. a common thing. So, yeah, I would say cybersecurity, uh, uh, privacy, data, data, data. I mean, I think data is a common theme of yeah. our chat today. Uh, not only under, knowing that my personal data is in a in a place where it's it's going to be safe and secure, that I'm dealing with a trusted source that has taken their own due diligence and, and ensured that my data will be safe, uh, and also uh, that uh, you know they're looking in a forward-thinking manner to ensure that you know that's going to go forward because what what a lot of people don't realize is and you know in, in my experience we've. We've worked with clients where we've done a cybersecurity validation or an assessment or a, you know, a, penetra- a trace penetration test for them on their environment. And I mean, essentially, five minutes after the cybersecurity people leave, you're basically back, to, you know, in the place where those hackers uh, can be looking or, the, you know, those bad threat actors can be looking at your environment again. And, you know, you know there's cases where a website can go up and, you know, it's 10,000 uh, you know, hits on it of people trying to find exploitation. And so it's just about uh, raising that awareness and understanding kind of who we're dealing with, what we're dealing with, the systems that we're using, you know, are they following f- through with the right uh, certifications and governance uh, side of things as well. Yeah. So it's, it's, I would say, raising awareness, uh, personal awareness. We're all accountable. Uh, you know, directors of companies are, are liable and accountable for privacy now. And so, you know, in a lot of cases, uh, you know, if, you know, a box of uh, papers ended up in a parking lot somewhere with customer information, I mean, imagine how bad that could yeah. be. So yeah. that's also uh, tenfold in the virtu- on the, on the, in the world of today where we are all online. We're all mobile, and so it's just about bringing kind of all of those pieces together and having a clear understanding of, of you know, what you're protecting, how you're protecting it, and uh, and providing that assurance to our clients. Yeah, no, that's that's a fantastic response, and I, you know, as it's evolved, as it's accelerated, this technology, you know, so has the regulatory environment changed, right? Because 
you know, you sit back and you hear all of these bad things that happen, well, you know immediately that there's going to be more government involvement, more regulation in terms of what you can do with that data, how you have to protect it. So just give a bit of an update for the listeners on where that's at, what, what are some of the key things that, you know, that small to mid-sized business needs to be aware of um, as it relates to the risks and how they're now being regulated on that. Yeah. So what I would say is, um, you know, and, and I go back to my uh, that that massive pipeline uh, uh, situation there um, in the United States. I mean, right after that, the president of the U.S. Uh, asked all of the, the lar- you know, the tech leaders in large American firms to come to the White House and, and have a meeting. And, um, you know, they talked about you know, governance and uh, compliance and how you know, new measures need to be adopted to protect infrastructure, to protect finances, protect our economy. Um, and so these, these, uh, these frameworks and uh, compliance uh, uh, um, uh, focus are, are really necessitated and they're driven by many different factors. They can be driven by government. They can be driven by, by industry. In the case of, uh, you know, uh, the credit card uh, industry, uh, closer to fin- the financial services industry. So Visa, MasterCard, American Express, they've adopted something called PCI for the payment card industry. And it's a real mature subset of uh, operating controls and, uh, and governance that is, is, is implemented within a, techni- a technology uh, environment and really just helps assure that things are done with best practices and, you know, that we're, we're following through on, on kind of what we're saying. You know, we're ensuring uh, security, we're ensuring availability, data privacy, confidentiality, as well as privacy. So uh, there's a bunch of these different uh, uh, compliance frameworks. Uh, they're driven in multiple different ways. I think the one I would say which is most relevant to our conversation today would be uh, SOC 2, which is uh, service organization control. Uh, and it really is a, is a bunch of operating controls. It actually was uh, uh, brought forth, my understanding is, by ACPA. And uh, it's about putting in uh, a number of operating controls within your technology environment that ensure that you're achieving best practices and and, and doing the right things within your environment. So any tools, any platforms, any new softwares that we're buying, the first thing I would say we should do is, is look for SOC 2 certification. Okay. And, you know, certainly this is, you know, there's more to the story, but SOC 2 is a, is a real good place to start. If I was, a, uh, uh, you know, overseeing my own business, well, which I am, uh, we only do tools that have okay. soft too. Interesting. And whenever I'm looking at new technology, I'm always asking those those providers, is that, you know, are you soft compliant? compliant? Yeah, so. no, that's fantastic. And I, I'm assuming that part of what your firm does with businesses is that you're going to help them get an understanding of all these different pieces and how it applies to their specific business that, you know, what do they need to be in compliance with? What kind of processes and governance structure do they need in place to ensure that they're adhering to that uh, that uh, regulatory environment. No, absolutely, Tim, and you're right on. Again, uh, that's a great uh, question comment. Um, the, there's a risk too to to our businesses that you know we're maybe taking on too much uh, governance. I mean, in some cases, a business uh, a business may have to uh, achieve or 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 meet several 
compliance frameworks, right? I mean, if if you're accepting a credit card in your business, you have to you have to be PCI certified. If you you know, as I just said, you want to have a different subset of platforms, maybe SaaS-based technologies uh, in your business, they have to be SOC 2 certified. Publicly traded companies have certain uh, uh, um, frameworks they have to meet as well. So there's a real risk. Uh, our team did some work uh, with a large enterprise, and um, they, they potentially could have had over 2,000 different operating controls that, as an organization, had to be implemented, m- monitored, managed on a regular basis, uh, you know, quarterly reporting. And so you just think about the level of effort to achieve that. Uh, it's a lot of work there. It's heavy lifting. Yeah. And so you kind of have to, and, and where our team focuses about finding that, that sweet spot where, okay, this is our, our business. Uh, here's what we know we have to do. We're, we're mandated or we're, we're required to do. And, uh, and then here's we also what we want to kind of self-impose on ourselves. We want to ensure that, you know, this cybersecurity. And so there's other frameworks that are adopted from that case. But just finding that place where, you know, it's not too little, but it's not too much. Right. You can basically, you know, slow everything down and, and stop kind of the efficiencies of your operation if if everyone's still focused right. on that. Right. You still you, you know, still so got to run a business. It's kind of like finding that. Yeah. What's the tipping point there? And that's really where we focus and, and what we put a lot of time and energy yeah, into. Yeah, no, that's perfect. I, with our clients. Yeah, you know, the accounting firms they deal with so many different business owners, and so that <laughs> I can imagine they're you know if they're trying to support their firms and help help them grow and protect their businesses they've got to have at least consultants like you in their network to help with that but even in their own business you know their chances are their billings are getting collected with visa um you know they're using cloud-based software platforms whether it be tax prep to do tax returns or you know some of the uh, accounting based systems that they use um, you know, they got CRM systems, they got all these things that they're building in that are gathering and collecting that data. Um, you know, so, and, and I, you know, just in talking to these firms, trying to get a handle on all of the things that they need to be, you know, in a lot of cases, you trust the providers that you're working with that that's just, it's, you know, obviously it's, it's, it's set up properly, but they probably don't know what they, they don't know. And, um, yeah, so knowing that there's resources like your firm out there that can come in and kind of give them a hand and get them up to speed is is fantastic. Uh, you and I have talked in the past about, you know, the accounting profession and how it's impacted technology. Chat a little bit about that from your perspective, because, I mean, you know, the audit world, the work they do, systems and controls as an accounting profession has been part of what they've done forever. How, how have you seen that play an impact in the technology space? Yeah, great. Um Certainly, uh, you know, it, it's funny when I look back at my career and, you know, we were, you know, a bunch of IT people in the back room doing our thing. And then all of a sudden, you know, a group of uh, blue suits from the big four show up and, you know, start asking us questions about, OK, well, who has access to this and what file and show me this log and, and start getting into the more technical side of things. And I was like, oh, wow, OK, where's this coming from? And so that really started to, to happen and, and gain a lot of traction back in the early 90s and has evolved since then. And so, yeah, accounting firms have really driven um, all of the different what I would call, you know, cybersecurity frameworks, best practices, the, the GRC governance, risk and compliance side of things. So it's really about 
the discipline that CPAs have adopted and, and driven within their business is uh, applying that into the technology sector. And so it's a, a real interesting conversation, actually, because, um, you know, at first we were kind of a bunch of technical people taken aback by, okay, why are the accountants here asking us all these questions? But at the time it was really, you know, there had been some organizations, some large ones that uh, you may recall, Back, it's a long way back, but you know there was an Adelphia Cable. I come from telecom. Adelphia Cable was a was a I believe a New York or New Jersey based cable company, and the owners were committing fraud, and um, you know they were accessing things and transferring funds and doing some funky things there, mm-hmm. and there was federal charges laid, and it was a big front page news story. But the the, fi- the finance sector self corrected and and put in a bunch of measures to prevent that from happening. And so over the, the course of my career, I've watched that now, that focus move into technology as many companies are, are using more and more technology. We're all technology enabled. And so it just makes sense. And so, yeah, I mean, uh, the financial services industry has driven, uh, you know, GRC, governance, risk and compliance in the technology space. And it took a little while for us tech people to kind of get our heads around that. Yeah. But now that we have, we recognize the, the positive the outcomes it, yeah. that come with that. And, you know, it's about improving your cybersecurity posture. It's about implementing best practices within your operation. Uh, it's about also leveraging new technologies to automate and drive efficiencies. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, yeah, I mean, I, I think that's a, that's a real interesting uh, conversation that I, I often love to have about how finance has impacted technology. Yeah, it's, you know, when I, you look at some of the CPA bodies around the world and how that profession is being disrupted with technology because a lot of their traditional services are being replaced by technology. We're going to talk about that in a little bit. Um, but, you know, how they're, how they're adapting to that, um, you know, how they're, how they're changing as a profession to be able to really become more focused on the data, not from the, you know, is the company a going concern because they got enough money in the bank account? It's more around, okay, what are some of these other risks? What are these areas that we need to do to sort of protect and and protect data? Um, so, yeah, interesting to hear you talk about the 90s, how that's evolving and kind of even seeing where it's going in the profession today. Uh, let, let's talk about organizations. You go into accounting firms, you go into businesses all the time. What what mindsets need to change in your view to adapt to this and to to truly embrace risk that you know the, the risks that are out there and the governance models that are required? Yeah, I mean, I think uh, there's a number of points there, Tim. Um, you know, I, I talk about how the financial service industry has driven uh, GRC governance, risk, and compliance in technology. That's great. You know, we've moved really far down that path. But what, I've, what I'm seeing, what, what we've seen, and, and it's not just in financial services, but a lot of other sectors, a lot of organizations are still running kind of the manual way. I mean, this was the way we used to do it, the way we're always going to do it. You know, again, the pandemic has shifted some, some behaviors uh, culturally just be, out of necessity. Uh, so, you know, I would say first and foremost, uh, don't be afraid of a culture of change. I think that's something that, you know, any any organization that is looking at growth now and and uh, also, you know, ex- customer experience and and also protecting them, themselves from the risks that are out there that we've talked about. Um, you have to be able to look at 
all the options and, and kind of be fairly well versed and, you know, working with uh, partners like ourselves at Keyworks or others. Uh, but, uh, you know, kind of mapping out what are your future objectives as a, as a company, as an organization? What are your, you know, what are you looking at as a, as a priority within your business? I like to, I like to do things kind of in a more of a short term, 90 day window cycle, but also having a longer term strategic uh, view as well and, and linking those two together. Uh, but, uh, you know, not afraid to, uh, leverage some of the new uh, advancements in technology like AI. You know, they, you know, there's different systems and sub platforms out there that can really drive a lot of, uh, uh, value for us. I mean, look at how collaboration tools have helped us as we all moved to work from home. And, you know, you can be on a meeting and be chatting at the same time with a, a coworker or, um, you know, so I, I kind of look at how collaboration has, has supported us through the pandemic, but, uh, looking at how, you know, the op, the ability to optimize and automate and, and again, making it all about that a customer experience and, putting yourself in that client's shoes and what was maybe okay just three years ago, maybe, you know, something that might've taken three days to whatever, uh, you know, end transaction or sign off on a, on a paper uh, change on data that needed to happen. You know, what used to maybe take days or even a week to do, you know, that's, you know, people's perception now it's a, you know, we're all, we're in this world now where everything's mobile and everything's in real time and, so having that open mind to shift and lining up uh, your business to kind of meet those expectations. I mean, at my house, we, when we order pizza, uh, you know, I can tell when it went in the oven at Domino's, right? So, you know, you know, it's that level of transparency. Yeah. I mean, it's a silly little uh, thing, but, um, you know, they are showing you every step of the way. When we call our Uber driver, we know where they're you at. Know, yeah. Some of us watch, you know, how far away is that driver and yeah. how close and what time are we getting picked up? So, you know, thinking about some of those large scale changes in our world and how we're leveraging technology and how can we apply that to our own business and what can we do in their, in our client customers eyes to, to help transform uh, our businesses. And, and so that's really what I would say is uh, is a, is a real area of focus. That I think that organizations need to, to embrace, especially particularly in the finance industry. I mean, you guys are, uh, you know, we have the big banks, you know, they have deep pockets and, you know, they're spending a, a lot of money mm -hmm. on their tech and we all have our online, you know, here and there. And so it's about, you know, now kind of how do we line up and what can we do uh, to, to kind of break the chain or, or to implement uh, uh, areas of, of customer experience that are really going to be meaningful and, and that our clients are appreciative and and they're going to look to maybe add more to us and, and help us grow, meet our own objectives at all. For me, it all kind of fits together. Yeah. Uh, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, it, it totally does. And it's such a perfect transition to our second part of this topic. And you've sort of been touching on that as this, this customer experience and, and really the opportunities at, but it does take the mindset, as you alluded to, if you're afraid of change, if you're not afraid to look at the opportunities, or if you are afraid to look at the opportunities, well, some of these things are going to become minimum expectations, like what the bank's doing with technology and how they're investing money and growing. Like if you don't have the ability to, to deliver similar types of experiences, you're going to have a, have some challenges. So, um, you know, 
let's talk about that. What what are some of the opportunities that you see, and maybe we can speak to it around professional services or financial services, just to kind of keep it focused on our audience. I mean, from digitization to automation to just modernizing operations to artificial intelligence, there's so many things out there. Uh, it, it starts to become a bit noisy. How do you help clients kind of focus in on what they should be taking sure. advantage of as an opportunity? For sure. Absolutely. There's a lot of buzzwords. It's easy to kind of get caught up in, in that and, and then it gets overwhelming. And mm -hmm. you go, okay, well, geez, where do we start? How do we right. do this? Um, you know, for me, my view is it all comes down to driving better business outcomes. I mean, and, you know, and better business outcomes in support of our clients. We touched on that a little bit, uh, but also in support of our own businesses and, and making things more efficient, uh, optimizing, automating, um, you know, by, by embracing and leveraging new technologies, you know, things like AI, um, artificial intelligence, um, there's so many different cloud-based platforms and tools, sector-wide. In the old days, you know, companies would go and build their own stuff. I'm a big uh, proponent of why, you know, why recreate the wheel. Um, there's a lot of great companies out there that have, you know, built some really cool leading-edge and, and these are all opportunities. These technologies uh, are opportunities for us to look in within our business. And instead of spending time on the build or, or putting a team together to, to make that build, it's about do your own research, work with partners uh, like ourselves, come up with your own plan and leverage that technology. I mean, we talk about everywhere we go, it's data, 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 uh, you know, leveraging data. And, and we're sitting on all of us and our businesses are sitting on a ton of data. Um, you know, how can we, uh, uh, how can we leverage data, you know, in maybe one product offering that might have an impact on another product offering? And, you know, we have so many insights, those gleaning little nuggets within our business that, uh, you know, I think, Tim, we were uh, in a discussion the other day and yeah. you mentioned kind of the gold gold mining analogy, you know, data is the gold. And yeah. uh, so, you know, be open to exploring how we can leverage technology to help us mine that data and uh, put, uh, you know, different perspectives on things that allow us to have glimpses into, you know, glimpses into our business that go, I like to say, shine the light in the dark corners and say, okay, you know, well, hey, there's a, this piece of data means maybe that, you know, this uh, certain criteria that we found can have an impact on upselling another product or or bringing value to our client in a way that they they hadn't seen before or thought of and you know so i think it's that kind of openness um and but it all starts with that plan and strategy of, of how to get from a to b you have to really understand where where you're at today uh what's in place what works okay what works not so good what you know what are our customers happy with and what do our customers want to see and you know, the whole demographic conversation. I mean, our, our clients are not, you know, not our parents' clients, right? They're younger now, they're mobile. They want to see things in real time. And so kind of lining all that up, making a plan, and then, you know, over your own kind of desire in terms of what you can sustain as, a, as an organization, it doesn't have to be an overnight change. In fact, I, I kind of strongly recommend it's not. It's, you know, it's planned, it's thought out, and it's clear. And, you know, pick some technology partners that are 
uh, leveraging some of these compliance frameworks that we've talked about that, you know, they're, you know, they're not, there's not a risk there. And, and uh, yeah, just start taking that path forward. And I love to, you know, in, in the tech space, we use iterations. We, we like to do things in small, meaningful, you know, it's like chewing off a small bite and, right. and, and enjoying that and then move on to the next bite and not take on too much too fast, but uh, make a meaningful uh, way forward and, and, and enjoy the journey. Enjoy that meal while you're, you're taking those For small sure. bites. For sure. Yeah. yeah. I, th- I think, you know, there, there's the opportunities, as you've talked about here on... Uh, delivering services differently, I, you know, and the, the accountants have so much opportunity in that regard. They're just on the cusp of some amazing things, in my view, with that data, you know, right. um, what they can continue to offer to clients by just knowing more about their clients with that and uh, it is, it is unlimited, in my view, of what they can accomplish there. So that's one area, but the other area is just simply how do you run a more efficient business? Like part of that customer client experience is just, is it timely? Is it, you know, like how long do things take? Is it like, what's the right. efficient process like? So talk a little bit about some of the work you do there and how, because, yeah. you know, clients, clients can look at the revenue side of that, or they can look at the efficiency side on some of these things. Yeah. and. You know, when you're trying to do it all, it's back to your bites, small bites. It's like, well, where do you start in all this? Do you start with efficiencies? Do you start with digitization? I mean, if you don't have the data digitized, it's really hard to turn it into something, right? So is that sort of the natural place that you start with people is helping them start to make the data actually useful? Yeah, I I mean, for me, you know, it starts with kind of looking at our day-to-day operational activities and, you know, what what's manual? What what are we doing now? What are the opportunities to take time out of that kind of, you know, the the start and end time of a process or a, you know, whatever, you know, different kind of maybe it's one transaction, maybe it's a form that gets generated and it's manual. You know, looking at okay, how do we how do we address that? How do we kind of move those to the digital world? Um, so digitization, uh, it kind of starts with looking at all your processes and, uh, again, what's working, what's not identify the ones that are, you know, there's real areas to move the needle on and, and, and make sure that, uh, you know, that can be achieved. Then the other side of it from a technology perspective is, you know, sometimes we overcomplicate things. In fact, I mean, more often than not, you know, some organizations are using more systems than they need. And so, you know, I, I, I often like to talk about the tech stack. And so it's what what is required for us to optimize those processes that we talked about, those customer outcomes or those business outcomes, Um and how many touch points with different systems are, are required? And, you know, maybe where you have two or three different platforms you're using, maybe there's one out there that, that does that, all of those. And, and just, again, it's about educating yourself and, 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 and looking in or working again with a partner that can help you find ways because you may go and say, yeah, I want to digitize this transaction, this process, this workflow. But then you put it into your systems. And because you have six systems, you know, it breaks down along the way. And while that one system, oh, it sits there for three days or a week, you know. So it's about kind of tying both sides of that together and and looking at what, what are the potentials. And in the fintech space, I mean, there's so many progressive Technologies. My time here, you know, working with the Wealthco team, I've 
you know, spent a, you know a bit more time than I, I would have previously on looking at fintech. And yeah. there's a lot of great companies that are out there, and they're they're uh, they're changing the way things are being done. And so I really encourage you know look at that um, for the smaller firms. You know, sometimes you know there's you know just through some of the the basic collaboration tools that we're using today, you can you can optimize process just by you know maybe before you weren't so comfortable with. You know, it had to be a sign-off, or you know, you're now using e. We're, we're mostly using e-signatures, but ensuring that that same kind of disruption is happening with your processes, and and you know, it's all about getting back to the customer as quickly as we can. Right. I mean, quite honestly, I mean, you look at email, for example. You know, for for us, uh, Tim, in our uh, in our kind of career grouping and age grouping, you know, we, you know, email was a way, uh, but you know, now today, younger, younger people are, you know, it's all about instant messaging and, you know, so what are we, you know, what, what, what we're not comfortable with is really the places we have to go look at. Right. And, and, and it doesn't mean we have to jump into the, into the pool with both feet, but at least be well-versed in where our, our sector's going, you know, in FinTech, what's out there, who's doing what, and, uh, and and just see how we can move that needle from those manual processes, more automated. And then once you've got that kind of momentum of digitization within your business, now we're talking about you know leveraging that data because if you're only seeing a, a small piece of, of the data, you know maybe one client, uh, you may have a client that has information on multiple systems, multiple platforms. Well, how are we getting a centralized, a source of truth on that client and, and right. what you know what systems are we going to have in place to manage that to protect that uh, and enable us to provide those services uh, where we can now glean that gold data and say hey uh, mr client hey you know you're really you know we're strong here in the wealth portfolio uh, but hey we're also offering this we're doing insurance or we're we're offering this and we notice that your beneficiary here is your daughter uh, but, you know, and but we don't have insurance with her. So maybe we can open up that conversation. And, you know, so we're starting to see and obviously there's regulatory challenges and, and things that have to be considered. But all that said, there's a real opportunity for financial services to increase, uh, again, uh, customer experience, uh, being more proactive and in real time and advancing how we're uh, we're, we're carrying ourselves as right. a, as a business right. on a regular basis. Right. Yeah. No, that's, that's perfect. And you know, so, so getting the data digitized and starting to be able to understand it and what we do with it, where does artificial intelligence, let's just wrap up this section sort of on that. Yep. You know, lots of people think it's coming, it's replacing jobs and humans and the robots are coming. And so, what, what do you see today with that? How is AI an opportunity today for, you know, accounting firms, professional finance firms? How are they using it today? Is it replacing people or is it just helping people? Yeah, no, I, I would say um, it's it's definitely making us more efficient. And sometimes people kind of perceive that as replacing people. And, um, you know, certainly don't think that's the case, uh, you know. Our businesses are are mostly built on our relationships, and so you know I think that you know my view is for sure uh, you know leveraging AI uh, is basically better equipping us in our relationships. So it's helping us have more meaningful 
and more focused conversations with our clients. And so let AI kind of do the heavy lifting within that data, those different systems, those different visibility views that we may have, and, and really give us uh, a leapfrog effect where we can go, oh, hey, you know, here's some things I can talk to Mr. Jones about um, that I wouldn't have necessarily had. So, no, I mean, I personally, you know, I, you know, within our lives, we deal with a lot of different service providers. And, you know, whenever I'm not, I, I, I don't always have to talk to a person, but when I want to, I certainly want to. And so I still want to have that as an option. Um, you know, things that get automated sometimes can get lost too, mm-hmm. like in, in tech. And, you know, we've all kind of had those long time, wait times or in a, in a company's ARU phone system where we've got a menu that never ends, right? You know, so those examples are where, you know, it needs to kind of be, again, a balancing act of, uh, and, and an approach of what's right for our businesses. But uh, certainly, uh, uh, I see uh, I see AI as making us more efficient in how we're doing our jobs, and, and helping us uh, be more focused in our conversations with our clients. And that focus and those outcomes of those conversations is going to lead to uh, efficiency, cost savings within our business, certainly client experience. Um, you know, and then there's probably a few here that we haven't even touched on, but, uh, it definitely is a game changer and, uh, um, you know, allows us now to focus again on harvesting those relationships, just like we want to harvest our data. We want to harvest our relationships, uh, and, and add to our business and look at different product suites and, you know, different, uh, opportunities to satisfy our clients needs. In the end, it's all about people, like you say, and uh, yep. being able to have better conversations and have uh, better data to have them is is really the key to that. And and exciting to see how that's going to continue to evolve here over the years to come. Uh, on that note, I, I mean, technology is changing so quickly all the time. How do you keep up on it? Like, you know, you're in the space. Yeah. You're in the space, so it's your job to yeah. keep up on it. But how, how do you actually keep up on all of this that's going on? What do you what do you do on a on a daily basis or monthly basis to stay in touch with what's what's happening? Yeah, I know that's a good question, and it's certainly. I mean, we're all we're always learning. We're always, uh, you know, we're always, you know. I find, you know, I'm reading uh, constantly, you know, looking at different articles. There's different, you know, industry associations and um you know i i I really encourage everyone to kind of slice some time off in their week we're all busy now you know we're all on on different uh, virtual meetings online and so meetings are happening longer uh, in the days we're not because we're not at the office we're at home and so Mm -hmm. yeah but i i encourage everyone to kind of particularly business owners uh to you know spend a couple hours a week just go on the internet researching look at your you know most of the associations that we're either certified by within our business or our partners our vendors the platforms that we use they all have publications you know just keep kind of reading and learning and evolving and that that's really what i do and um, when a certain conversation goes into, uh, you know, a, a deeper topic, then that's really where I'll roll up the sleeves and spend even more time right. and uh, um, kind of, you know, at that point in time, because you really, you can be overwhelmed. There's a lot out there, um, but, uh, you know, trade publications, industry guidelines, I mean, there's so much uh, resources out there. Are there any, there, but- any in particular, Stuart, that you really appreciate um, that you can comment on that would be a good resource for people? 
Yeah, I mean, I find, uh, you know, just like with anything, you know, the bigger firms, like, you know, in, you know, in some cases there are competitors, but, you know, I, you know, in the financial services space, um, you know, the, the big four have done a really good job in terms of investing uh, resources um, in terms of you know, yeah. publications and, you know, they all have CTOs, they all have yeah. data science areas. And so, you know, I, a lot of my research and, you know, you're never going to go wrong by, by kind of going with some of those. Right. Um, but I'll, that also falls into the on the tech side, you know, you know, the, the, the papers that come out from. Uh, you know, uh, Forrester or Gartner, those are, those are real good sources. Um, you know, they, they often write white papers and they talk about the, you know, the, the leading technology yeah. industry trends on a sector by sector basis. So those are also yeah, very great. informative. And I, I use both of those as common, common starting points. Perfect. Yeah. Actually, I read an article this morning with, I think it was Deloitte and Touche on uh, data transparency and some of the risks associated with that. So, you're right. I mean, they're a great resource for that. And they're, if we got accountants listening, well, that's going to be easy for you. You know how to how to track that down. So that's good. And anything else, Stuart, in terms of resources your company can provide? I mean, obviously, you know, they can reach out to you. But are, do, you, do you have any other third party resources or things that you you do to help uh, educate firms that may potentially be a client of yours down the road? Yeah, I mean, I think as a starting point, it's a conversation. And uh you know, we're, uh, we're in a place now where, um, you know, the competitive side of things, you know, within our industry, talking to, you know, people within our, our own sectors. I mean, it's one thing that I've learned an invaluable lesson in the back in the day in the telecom sector. They all talk to each other. They all work together. And so, you know, learning about what's happening in your own sector, you know, we all have our personal networks. Um, you know, obviously, yes. I mean, sure. Reaching out to a consultant, uh, our Keyworks is here. You know, we'd love to chat about, you know, how we can help you with cybersecurity posture, data privacy, uh, data strategy, road mapping on technology. Um, but, you know, hearing what your peers are doing, the people that maybe you worked at, you worked with at another firm years ago, the people that you trust and respect and having conversations with them and then tying that back to kind of what your own business needs are and then bringing in uh, outside uh, help where needed. You know, that's kind of how I see it uh, as, as the most effective way. Okay, um, perfect. You know, we have, a, you know, different resources within our company uh you know we have our own kind of accounting <laughs> practice as well and as a business and so uh, we have to meet certain compliance guidelines just like everyone else does so you know get talking to business leaders that are dealing with the same challenges and have the same opportunities and 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 you know the days of that competitive side of things um, you know, you can, you know, there's, there's frenemies out there. We're all, you know, within our sector and not being afraid to go and have those conversations with people. And obviously you're not disclosing everything, who you're talking to and who you're working with, yeah. but, but talk to your frenemies and, and learn what they're doing and how they're doing yeah. it. I mean, I feel like that's real helpful, uh, uh ways to, to help us with yeah. our planning and, and how we go forward as, yeah. as an organization. Yeah, for sure. And so if they want to reach out to you, you're on LinkedIn, Stuart. I'm sure they can connect with you there uh, through your website. Uh, is that sort of the easiest way to do that? Yeah, LinkedIn, uh, you know, I'm uh, is, is a good one uh, for sure. Uh, definitely uh, anyone who's looking at this podcast, uh, 
you know, we'll have kind of access to, uh, you know, the, our contacts, Tim, I'm sure. And, yes. um, you know, yeah, we're happy to sit down. It doesn't have to be a, a big time thing. We can sit and have a coffee and chat or do a Zoom call and, and you know, just understand. And, you know, I'm all about helping with the thought uh, you know, the thought works that have to go into these changes. They're big changes. They're not always easy, but, uh, um, you know, having conversations and dialogue around how we can support, you know, we're here to do that. We're always, uh, uh, we're always open to investing and, 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 uh, love meeting new people and, and expanding my personal network, our, our company network as well. So, uh, it's about that collaboration and those conversations I think are invaluable. Yes. So we're open well, to having them for sure. Well, thank you, Stuart, for that. Um, I always ask my guests if there's anything interesting they're reading um, or have read that they'd like to share with our group. I, you know, I was involved in Strategic Coach for many years, and I always got a lot of value out of what people were reading. It's a great way to continue your own education on. And uh, so, is there anything that you've read lately or that you've read in the past that uh, you think our audience would appreciate? Yeah, uh, I mean, I off the top of my head, uh, Tim, nothing specific. I mean, yeah. I, I'm an av- I love to read books. Um, lately, and kind of in line with our previous conversation, I'm reading a lot of magazine articles. Um, you know, there's a, a number of different sources out there, but um, you know, I'm I'm really focused on disruption right now. I yeah. I think that any articles that are are, are tied to the disruption within business, within sectors. We've all seen the, the Airbnb story, the Uber yeah, story. Yeah, We've right. talked a little bit about that already. How things have changed um, and, and apply that more specifically to our own sectors. But, you know, anything on LinkedIn, I, I, I shared uh, yesterday with uh, with Sophie actually here at Wealthco, a, a disruption uh, YouTube on someone who is a respected former colleague and uh, shared that. Uh, you know, there's a lot of podcasts out there. There's a lot of YouTube videos around yeah, disruption. I, I encourage everyone to uh, to go out and, and take on that topic and, yeah. and just update yourself, educate yourself and, and learn more about what that really yeah. means within your sector. And yeah. I think that will go a long way to, to help. Well, maybe we'll pass along that YouTube clip here when we're done, but uh, yeah. yeah, I can do that. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, Stuart, uh, thank you so much for your time today. Uh, always enjoy talking to you and the support you provide us and, and you being willing to take the, invest the time today to speak to our accounting community. So thank you so much. It's been a real pleasure. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. And I'd uh, love to come back and I think there's all kinds of other conversations we can have. And uh, absolutely, Tim. Yeah. Thanks for having me. You're welcome. And there absolutely is. I think we just touched the tip of the iceberg here today. So hopefully we can go a little little deeper on a few of these areas in the future. And, And on that note, Stuart, thank you again. And that ends this edition of the Innovative Accountant Podcast. Thank you for listening. And I hope you enjoyed your time with us today. Take care. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Innovative Accountant Podcast. We hope you enjoy the show and even learn something new. If you're interested in elevating your firm and transforming your client experience to create sustainable firm growth, get in touch with us by visiting integratedadvisory.ca to set up your free call with one of our integrated advisory experts. Visit integratedadvisory.ca today to set up your free call with an integrated advisory expert. Be sure to subscribe to the Innovative Accountant Podcast so you never miss an episode. 
Thanks for listening and be sure to tune in for the next episode of the Innovative Accountant Podcast. Production of the podcast is by At Heart Creative and can be found online at atheartcreative.com.